Welcome in to the newest episode of Side Mission. Like always, I'm your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by just one of the boys today, Kyle. Kyle, it's been a minute since we've done a, a, just a duo episode. I'm, I'm glad to be back. And we get to do a couple of those today, the day that we'll record them. We get to do a couple of those. This is going to be fun. We are talking about a game that we probably should have recorded this episode for a couple weeks back. But it's all good because there's still plenty to talk about regarding this game. It is SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake. And I'm not going to lie, it's hard to not laugh when you're saying that title out loud. It yeah, is very hard to not laugh. It is, yeah. That, honestly, I think that this game was definitely something people who played Battle for Bikini Bottom uh, were looking forward to. Um, part of me feels like this game has a lot to offer for fans of, you know, Battle for Bikini Bottom, but at the same time, it feels like so much time has passed that this game could have offered a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I think some of the gameplay was a little bit dated still, um, but some of it, I think it directly improved upon the first game because, you know, right from the get-go, it felt like we had a lot of the main abilities that, you know, you had to earn throughout Battle for Bikini Bottom, and from there, we were just getting more and more. Um, I agree. I think that this, you're 100% right. This feels like a game that's almost stuck like 10 years in the past. Yeah, like they, like we should have gotten this game earlier and we should be on the third one by now. Um, but as far as the game goes, uh, in terms of, I think, art style, obviously it's SpongeBob. It's kind of hard to screw that up. But one thing that I continuously was laughing at was the damn faces that they kept showing, like, up close. <laughs> the, that shit was so funny. Whoever the artist was for that did a fantastic job. I think the humor in this game... Happened. The first time that happened, I was like... Yeah. And then it happened, like, 20 more times, and it was incredible. Dude, that shit was so funny. It was... And some of them are actually missable, too, if you don't, like, talk yeah. to the characters. So I, I was glad that, like, you know, we got to see a bunch of them, because that, that shit was so funny. Um, but yeah, as far as the humor goes in this game, I think that, you know, they landed a lot of the jokes, uh, just like Battle for Bikini Bottom did back in the day. I think that, you know, there's some humor there for all ages. Um, now, as far as the story goes, eh, it, it's SpongeBob, you know, I mean, it's not really going to have the most compelling story. However, I think that, you know, maybe they... They could have done a, a little bit better because one thing that wasn't really explained very well was so in the very first world, right? They were like, hey, Mrs. Puff isn't going to know who we are because this is a completely different universe. Well, why did some of the other characters like Mr. Krabs and Sandy and Pearl know who SpongeBob and Patrick were in the other worlds? But some of them didn't. Like, Director Squidward knew exactly who SpongeBob was. But it, yeah. it was a little disconnected there. No, I agree. I think that it, there, there's. it's almost like they were writing the story, and they wrote that in to be like a major story beat for every world you went to. And then it's almost like they spent so much time on that first world that they almost just forgot that entirely when writing the rest of the story out. Like, they just yes. kind of glazed over that detail of oh miss P mrs puff had no idea who we were in the first world 
um, all of a sudden everybody in every other subsequent world knows who we are now. Yeah, it, it does feel like they glazed over that a bit. Also, and I think that this is one thing that Battle for Bikini Bottom did well story-wise, was at least it set up the story with a cutscene, you know, prior yeah, to, like, the, the exact conflict being, you know, settled. Um, there's really no explanation for how, I, I'm going to be honest, I can't remember what her name is, the main antagonist in the, oh, yeah, the, in the game. The mermaid. There's no explanation for how she came up with it, or how she acquired this stuff that she supposedly stole from King Neptune. Like, there's yeah. no explanation of how she stole it or anything, and I feel like this story would have benefited from having a cutscene that showed that happening. And I feel like, I feel like that like, kind of helps. It, it kind of, I don't want to say it makes the story believable because at the end of the day, it's SpongeBob. You know, right, SpongeBob right. isn't believable. It's a kid show, but I don't know. It just it didn't really help that we were supposed to just believe that this bum ass mermaid, yeah stole from the most powerful deity in the sea <laughs> it's just we're supposed to believe that that happened and that you know she got away with it no problem and that king neptune isn't looking for her or anything like that i don't know there's just not really much of an explanation for that i feel and yeah. that doesn't help the story at all. now of course as we've said with so many games in the past you know you're not necessarily playing this game for the story but it's there. We kind of have to critique it. It's the same thing we said about Saints Row. It's the same thing right, we've right. said about Hogwarts. That episode hasn't. That episode has dropped. Hopefully by now, uh, is that you're not really playing these games for the story. You're playing it more so for the gameplay. But unfortunately, with the story is such a big part of you know the game, we kind of have to keep it. We have we we have to keep that in mind. Now, let's talk about the platforming a little bit more, Kyle, because I think you're spot on. It absolutely feels dated, and it feels like it's kind of stuck in 2005, 2006. It's just kind of stuck. It feels like a game from that era. Now, it doesn't feel nearly as janky as Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated felt. That felt much, much jankier, if that's even a fucking word. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really feel like they tried to make it a little more modern. I give them credit for trying. The, the gliding system is a really nice addition. Yes. I think that works. Um, I think the other thing that I really like I was hit or miss on was the levels because let's be real here. I think outside of Glove World, which I'll be honest with you, I have not beaten Battle for Bikini Bottom in years. So I don't remember if Glove World was in Battle for Bikini Bottom. I don't believe I it, don't was. Think it was. Yeah, I don't think I didn't think it was either. Um, a lot of the areas are just kind of modified versions of the levels you got in Battle for Bikini Bottom. Like the very first the very first world you go to is the western is the wild west jellyfish fields that's the first area you go to and then the second one is is karate bikini bottom downtown or karate bikini bottom downtown. i'm not saying it, that stupid way to say it in the show but i i feel like they could have gotten a little bit more creative because not only do you go to a lot of the same levels you go to them in just about the exact same order yeah that's and very true. the only the only real difference here is you don't really. I don't think you go to the Mermelayer in this one. And yeah. outside of that, I, I feel like it's pretty much the exact same beat for beat levels outside of Glove World. Now, that being said, Kyle, the levels are really well designed. I'll let you talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think that honestly, the levels were, you know, because when we first got in, I noticed right away that when we went to Jellyfish Fields, I was like, this is just the same level from Battle for Bikini Bottom. Downtown was, you know, 
again, downtown from Battle for Bikini Bottom. And I also, I felt that, you know, some worlds, like the Halloween version of Rock Bottom, were really cool. And then the other one, like the prehistoric world, just was kind of meh. I mean, the, the best part about the prehistoric world was, you know, Patrick and SpongeBob, how, you know, they were the prehistoric versions of Patrick and SpongeBob, which that's yeah. that's another thing. The costumes in this game are a lot of fun. I think that, you know, that was a great addition because it added a little bit of customi customizability, and that was an in-battle for Bikini Bottom. And with each world you go to, you obviously get a new costume, and there's all of this uh, jelly around that you can collect, which is kind of like the currency. Uh, you can use that to buy different costumes, and I thought that was really cool. I wish, honestly, the, they could have taken an approach kind of like Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, where when Link puts on a different mask, he gets a different ability, a different moveset. I wish that the costumes would have been more tied to, say, abilities. You know, obviously you could have had, you know, a little bit less costumes if each one was going to have an ability, or just have story ones that, you know, when you put on this costume, you can use, like, a lasso in, you know, wherever you go in the jellyfish fields, and have, like, a quick change button for, you know, the costumes, because I, I think that on top of us getting the, you know, glide ability, I felt like there wasn't really much added for traversal. It was very much the same as Battle for Bikini Bottom. You got a double jump. You could slide, you know, on uh, pathways. And now you can glide, which is cool. But there wasn't really anything else added, like, from Bikini Battle for Bikini Bottom. And imagine if we got a suit that let us, you know fly around or uh, you know a, a suit that could because in the other game there were other playable characters and that's how they kind of added in that new move set like you could play as you know patrick or you could play as sandy and uh you know they had different things that they could do and in this game you solely play as spongebob you don't play as the other characters and you know, I really wish... I, I do like that we got some new abilities, like the Reef Blower and... Um, what is it? The, like, the instead of the bowling bubble, now you, like, throw it, essentially? Yeah, you can throw the bubbles using, you know, your jellyfish net, I think, is what it is. And again, yeah. you know, you like some of the modifications they did, but it also just kind of feels like they, they kind of just... I don't want to say half-assed it. I feel like that's a little bit too harsh. But it feels like they they kind of look for, okay, what's a way that we can slightly change this to where it doesn't automatically get compared to, like, the bubble bowl, for example. Right. Like, and, and there's part of me that respects that they tried, but, again, you feel like they could have gone a little bit deeper. I, I think that they definitely could have gone deeper. They, you know, I get that this game wasn't supposed to be a 10 out of 10, but... You know, I was a big fan of Battle for Bikini Bottom. I played the shit out of it on the GameCube. I grew up with the game. And, you know, when they remastered it, I was really excited to, you know, replay it. And it, it kind of reminded me, you know, that, oh, shit, this really was a GameCube-era game. And so when they announced that they were going to be doing a spiritual successor, 
I was excited because I never got a sequel to Battle for Bikini Bottom growing up. This is the closest thing we're going to get to it. And I was so ready to, you know, get that sequel to a game that I've been waiting for for like 15 plus years. And yeah, I would say that this game, I think, was very middle of the road. It was not fantastic, but it also wasn't horrible. I know we've been critiquing it a lot, but it wasn't a horrible game by any means. I had fun playing through it. There were a lot of fun sections um, throughout these different worlds where you interact with you know different characters like uh, the witch or like Pearl or Larry or even a giant snail Gary. Um, I think that there were a lot of things that you know really worked, like the humor and the art style, though. Those damn pictures, dude, the close-ups, I still, they're so fucking funny. But while, you know, you're trying to balance the humor with the story, I think they definitely leaned a bit too much on the humor and didn't really... Because here's another thing that I really was confused by. So when we would go into worlds, right? We were going there to look for one character. Like in the first world, you go in there to look for Mr. Krabs or you go in there to look for, you know, Mrs. Puff or you're trying to find Pearl or Squidward. But other characters show up. Like, for example, Sandy shows up in the first world, but then she also shows up in the second world. Why didn't SpongeBob just take her with him in the first world? I feel like... You know, I get that they wanted to have, you know, all of these characters showing up in these different worlds for, say, you know, the interactions. But what if we had just made each world tied to one character and maybe fleshed out that story a little more instead of trying to cram so many characters in it? Because then you end up with plot holes like, hey, aren't none of these characters supposed to know who SpongeBob and Patrick are? Why can't he just take two when he took a whole fucking house one time? I'll give you another criticism that I know we both had, and I'm surprised it hasn't come up yet, dude. And and this is this is a trend in gaming that has got to stop. Repeated dialogue, man. Constantly oh, repeated shit, yeah. dialogue. I don't know how many times we had to hear the words, the Krusty Krab pizza is the... Like, dude, I think in the first two hours of the game, I heard it like eight times. Yes. At a certain point, dude, like, again, the humor works for the most part, but if you're going to make a game in the SpongeBob universe, at least have the creativity to add other lines of dialogue in. Yes. Like, at least have at least have some a little bit of, of, of more effort in the writing department of adding a few extra lines of dialogue, adding a few extra just kind of idle lines that characters may utter if you're just running through a level, there's nothing really going on, there's no cutscene or interaction happening. It just kind of feels like it's repeated far too often. And it was annoying enough, and this is going to sound like an overreaction. It's going to sound like an overreaction, but it's not. And I think you agreed with me when we said this when we first played the game. My favorite world that we went to was the prehistoric one where SpongeBob and Patrick were cavemen because we didn't have to hear that line over and over again because they couldn't talk. (laughs) Yep, that's very true. They couldn't talk. That was the best time because there wasn't a single time out there I heard a little dabble, do you? That I shit. I swear, dude, that shit was annoying too. And it was every five minutes. It would not 
go. I mean, without fail, you're running through the level, and it's just either Krusty Krab Pizza or a little dabble do ya, and it's just over and over and over. Like, bro, I wish there was an option like High on Life gave us to turn that shit off. That's one thing that I think High on Life did you know, as an example to the gaming community. That needs to be in every fucking game, everywhere. Give me an option to turn that dialogue on. If SpongeBob could just not speak outside of dialogues, I would have been fine. After hearing those voice lines eight times over, I was like, okay, I don't need to hear him say this over and over and over again. I wish I could turn this shit off. And that spreads to so many games. That's a big issue that we have with fucking games that do that shit. Why is there no option to just turn off character dialogue. High on Life did it. It's obviously not that hard. You could just give us that. And, you know, without getting a little bit, you know, too off topic, uh, other than that, though, I think that the character interactions and their voice lines bring back all of, you know, the classic characters and their voice actors outside of, obviously, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, because... Uh, they can't um but everybody else i thought was really cool it was cool seeing because you know when you play a licensed game and it's not the same voices it's so jarring and that was one thing they knocked out of the park was the voice acting in this game was fantastic um i just really wish i didn't have to hear those lines over and over that that's my biggest critique with the voice acting is maybe a little bit less idle bullshit um now the ending of the game was interesting because like we said this mermaid stole this magical jelly from king neptune right and at the very end of the game you beat the final boss and then king neptune comes in and he's just like oh hey you're the one who has my magical jelly and then he just fixes everything so basically King it's Neptune, all a MacGuffin. Yeah, King, De- King Neptune could have came in at any point in time and just fixed it. But we had to go on this whole adventure. Like, it, I, I really wish that it was, you know, somehow SpongeBob that fixed it or Patrick. You know, like, it to have King Neptune just come in at the very end and just fix it, I was like, so this was all for nothing. You could have done that from the very beginning of the game when you found out that the jelly was missing. That's wonderful. Well, you know, that's what I meant when I we talked about like how much it would have benefited from having a cutscene earlier on. Is there's no explanation whatsoever as far as why this mermaid has been able to escape and evade King Neptune. There's yeah. no explanation for that, and this is where that would have helped. And again, it just feels like a little bit of a cop out with the ending. You know, it just feels very cop outish. And I think that the thing that makes it worse is you know it says the words you know oh, I will. Uh, I'll grant you one wish because of it. And Patrick's stupid ass comes along and says, I wish we could do all of that over again. <laughs> Resets everything. And now, oh, guess what? Now you can do all the collectathon stuff that you missed in the store. You can do it all again. It basically resets the world back to where it was. And yep. it's just like, it, it all feels way too convenient. And it doesn't have this natural flow to it. And again, I enjoyed playing this game. I thought the boss fights Really good. I thought the, yeah. the Gary boss fight particularly was really good. The final boss fight was really good. Yeah, uh, loved the the downtown level, the second level of the game. I loved that because again, 
it felt like it had its own kind of style to it. It felt yes. like, you know, yeah, there's kind of this more third person open view of, you know, that, that you see a lot of in Bikini Bottom or Battle of Bikini Bottom, but then it turns into kind of this 2D side scroller for a little bit. And yeah, I thought that was, that was really unique to the level, and I liked that. And I enjoyed that. And then, you know, the medieval level, again, really interesting. I like how the final boss fight really isn't even a boss fight. It's just you serving food yeah. to all the all the people at Pearl's slumber party. Like, yep. it's, like, th there are things in this game that work really, really well. It's just that it feels like there wasn't a ton of effort anywhere else. And the last thing we can talk about, Kyle, is the performance. Because, man, for 80% of the game, it runs great. But it'll just randomly have this moment where it freezes, like, mid-level. Yes. And then it starts you back out, and you're, like, 15 FPS, and it has to get, the game has to get caught up. And it's like, it's like, guys, we are, at this point, and this is almost crazy to say, we, we are going into, this November will be the, we'll make it three years since, you know, since the PS5 and Xbox Series consoles came out. Like in three years. We are already about to be three years deep into these consoles. There is no excuse for there to be this kind of performance issue with this game. There's no because it's not even that graphically intense of a game to begin with. It yeah, just really seems not. like there was it just seemed like there was a little performance bug the entire time that in the middle of a level you'd randomly freeze up for like three three or four seconds. And then, you know, oh it'd go right back to normal after it got caught back up to what you were doing. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I want to give this game a 7. I really do. But the more and more I think about this game, the more and more I just feel like a 6 is just the correct score, for me at least. I don't know. Like, it's, I can't give this game higher than a 7. There's just no way, no way possible. And I think that it was either IGN or GameSpot. One of them gave it a 4, and I thought that was a bit extreme. I was like, I, I don't think, a 4 is pretty bad. Like, yeah. a four means that you didn't have any fun whatsoever. And I had a lot of fun playing this game. But just from a critical standpoint, Kyle, I, I, it's, this game is so hard to judge because we both really were looking forward to it. And I won't say that it was necessarily disappointing, but there were definitely parts of it that did not meet expectations. Yeah, I think that this game definitely could have done better. Um, the game was fun. That's the best thing I can say about this, is the game is, at the very least, a lot of fun to play. But if you are looking for a brand new experience, if you're looking for something totally unique, this isn't it. This is a game that if you enjoy the SpongeBob games like Battle for the Bikini Bottom, if you like that kind of silly, goofy humor, you will probably enjoy this game. Uh, from a critical standpoint, I would have to give it about a 6.5. And that's as high yeah. as I could probably go because... The game would have made a seven, seven and a half for me if it ran better. I think that all critiques aside, as you know, it goes to the writing or the gameplay, the performance just wasn't there. And I, I have to believe that part of that comes from them not dropping a PS5 version. It yes. was PS4 only, which doesn't make sense when... We are, what, two years... On the second year of the life cycle for next-gen consoles? The game should not be releasing solely for last-gen consoles in 2023. 
I, I think. agree, and that's that's not necessarily to just shit on PS4 yeah. owners or Xbox One owners or One X, One S. It's not to shit on them. It's more so just like we've reached this point in gaming where, guys, at some point you've got to commit to next gen, and these consoles are readily available. We can't yes. use the shortage anymore as an excuse. Agreed. It's so, it's gotta it's gotta move forward at some point, and this game was definitely a telltale of hey, maybe it's about that time. And it happens to every generation. I mean, this happens to every generation at some point, man. I mean, Nintendo is probably the only company, only game company in existence that will continuously support older hardware. Like, they just recently stopped with, like, you know, DS support. They just recently stopped that, or, or they're planning on stopping that soon. One of the two. I probably sound really illiterate right now, but who knows. <laughs> Uh, but like, you know, PS3 was cut off fairly quickly after PS4 started getting, after PS4 came out. PS3s did not, did not survive. They weren't three years into that cycle. They weren't still getting games because PS4s were readily available. You know, Microsoft somewhat does it with backwards compatibility. You know, they allow you to play older Xbox and Xbox 360 games, Mm -hmm. but you know, you don't just go into the store and see like you're not. You couldn't buy Hogwarts Legacy for Xbox 360. You couldn't buy that for PS3. There's a reason yeah. why Hogwarts Legacy, for example, was really touted as a next gen title was because it was primarily marketed for next gen systems for the PS5 for the series. Right. So and Kyle, I don't know about you. This is something I think we need to revisit in the summertime or closer when this happens. There's part of me that almost wants to see what Hogwarts Legacy runs like on the Switch when that port comes out. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's going to run like absolute shit. But but that's the whole point of all of this, is that at some point, you can't just release games for PS4 or Xbox One anymore. We've got to advance, we've got to move forward. So that is our review for SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake. That's going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod, and you can check us out on Facebook as well at Side Mission Podcast. For one of the boys, for Kyle, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.